Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Hey everybody, it is time for the Thursday edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We talk Raiders football, so much to talk about, some news, some roster news, a trade to address the offensive line. What? Yes, we're going to talk about it here on Silver and Black Today. Mo Moten, Scott Branson with you, as always. Thank you for joining us and talking Raider football Mo, let's jump right into this. Um, Oh, by the way, Mo is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. He's the Raiders columnist for sportsnot.com. Let me catch my breath. And uh, you can find his stuff there. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully. We are very highly interactive with our listeners. So jump in there. We'd be happy to talk to you as long as it's not about cheesecake, pineapple pizza, or the WNBA. Ice cream. Or a midship ice cream. That's correct. So I'm fine with the WNBA, by the way. That, that's Scott. <laughs> he doesn't want. Well, you, he doesn't want the full weight of all 1,345 fans of the WNBA coming down on him. Okay, I know. I'm just kidding. I actually, true, true story though. I actually, actually, yes. Congratulations to the Aces. But I yes. actually have a cousin who's really into uh, the WNBA. Her and her mom actually go to a lot of Liberty games. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, just. Liberty is one of, I think, four franchises that makes money. So good for, I mean, the Liberties are big. The Sparks in L.A., the Aces now in Las Vegas. Some good examples Mm -hmm. there. But talented ladies and uh, a big championship for Las Vegas. Their first pro major league championship. uh, And and so they had a good time with the parade yesterday or on Wednesday or Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? I can't remember. It was Tuesday, Wednesday. It was one of those days. But anyway, we're back. We're here to talk about Raiders football, and we joke. We have fun. If you if it gets you angry or you have outrage, that's on you, not me. Uh, but here we go, Mo. Let's talk about this trade. So the Raiders on Wednesday 
They addressed the offensive line. Imagine that. Although I will tell you, I'm I'm incredibly underwhelmed. Uh, but hey, it's a body. We'll see how he does. They traded uh, for Justin Heron from the New England Patriots. They traded a 2024 seventh round pick uh, as well. Uh, that's what they have acquired, and they traded away a 2024 sixth round pick. So for a sixth round and a uh, for a sixth round pick, they got the player and a seventh round pick in 2024. Heron was a sixth round selection by the Patriots two years ago. He's appeared in 28 games. He's had 10 starts over two seasons. He's played in 16 games as well as a rookie. He appeared in 12 games with six starts. He played at Wake Forest. Uh, in a corresponding move, the Raiders released Javelin Gidry, the cornerback. One of the best names I've ever heard. Javelin is cool. Uh, but uh, they say goodbye to him for now. Well, we, we, we've been talking for months about addressing the offensive line. I think fans overall are are saying to themselves and saying to the organization, hey, listen, you knew this was a, a, a weakness, but you continually never addressed it, and now you're seeing the impact of it in game time during the season, and you go out and you get a former six-round draft pick who's a sometime starter. It sort of seems like they're just adding a body. It's not necessarily somebody who you could say, oh, finally, they got some help at right tackle. Yeah, this is not someone who's going to step in and start over Thea Mumford and uh, Jermaine Lumina over there on the right side. But Josh McDaniels did say during the presser, swing tackles don't grow on trees. So that's probably True. what his role is going to be. Uh, swing tackle can fill on both sides just in case of injuries. I, I would say just a body, but it's more depth. I, I know we've had fun with Josh McDaniels' comment about how the Raiders have options at the tackle position, but it's about quality, <laughs> not quantity. So they're addressing the spot, but it's more again, it's more of a of a depth player than a than a starter, just in case someone gets hurt. So my thing is, as you said, the Raiders knew that this is an area of concern coming in to the season based on how that line performed last year. And I just feel like they didn't put enough into that position, one of the arguably the most important position with multiple players involved. Yeah. Didn't address it adequately, and they're going to have to address it next year. This is a guy that's probably going to hang around the roster. Who knows? He may turn into you know, a decent player. But, again, I'm not writing home about Justin Heron um, signing with uh, being traded to the Raiders. Yeah, and, and I think it, you're right. It, it, being a swing tackle, having bodies because of injuries, I mean, you're going to have attrition, right? And, and you don't know what's happening there. So I get that they added somebody, uh, but it's certainly not going to solve the prime right tackle. And and I know it's only two now into the third week of the season, but you hit on something that's important I think fans need to understand, our listeners need to understand, and that is they're not going to fix it this year. They're just not. They, they made the conscious choice to go and roll the bones with what they got. So that's what's going to happen. That's what they're going to do. And so that means this rotation, this crazy rotation we've seen, unless somebody really just starts balling out week after week and captures that position or positions, I think you're going to see a rotation with a couple of guys probably solidify themselves as the starter most of the time. Uh, but we'll see where that goes. By the way, uh, ranking-wise, if you looked at if, at Justin Haran, uh, overall 56.7. These are PFF numbers. Pass blocking, 45.7, a 62 in a run. Everything that I've read uh, is that, yes, he is better in the run. So we'll see how that all goes. He's allowed one sack in those 393 uh, snaps as well. Um, no other movements on the roster as far as the Raiders 
uh, adding any positions of need, Mo. But we look at the injury report uh, that was out uh, yesterday and this week, and that includes Brandon Bolden still out with a hamstring, limited to practice. Jermaine Illuminor with a hip was limited in practice. Neil Farrell Jr., uh, the the defensive tackle, limited then out so far this week has been Chandler Jones. So that was a, a, a basically a veteran rest day, so we won't really count that one. Andre James still out with that concussion for the second week now. Trayvon Mooring, Bilal Nichols with a shoulder, Denzel Perryman with an ankle, and Hunter Renfro with the concussion. And, Mo, the Denzel Perryman one is, is, is of note as well. I mean, you want all these players to be healthy. Nobody wants anyone to ever be hurt. The Raiders need everybody they can get. But the Denzel Perryman on the defense – with who they're facing Sunday in Tennessee could be a big problem if he's not ready to go. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm looking at because you need all hands on deck if you're going to tackle Derrick Henry. I believe it was um, Patrick Graham was talking about the toughness and, and comparing him, not comparing him to beast mode, but just being a one-of-a-kind player, Derrick Henry, who is hard to bring down. And you're going to need your top tackler uh, and within the front seven for that for that Titans offense because they they play a physical run style. There's no secret how the Titans play football. They're not going to spread you out and throw for 350 yards. They're looking to go downhill and run it down your mm-hmm. throat with Derrick Henry, the 2019-2020 rushing champion. So they just need their guys healthy. So I'm looking at Denzel Perriman. I'm looking at Bilal Nichols uh, being healthy. Neil Farrell Jr., the rookie, didn't dress in the first in the last game. Matthew Butler didn't dress either. They were both inactive basically non-factors and, and they had a slow preseason. So I didn't expect Matthew Butler and Farrell to be involved in the game plan as much early in the season, but it kind of stings now that you're, you had this big road test against this run heavy team. Again, you're going to need all the guys you can to tackle him and to not have your two rookies who are interior defensive linemen involved. Now you're going to have to depend on Jonathan Hankins and, and older in the tooth, but he's going to have to be a key player to stop the run. Uh, I know you let go of Kyle Petko, so that means Billings, who's played well, has to be active. He's got to be down there to stop the run. So the Rays basically need to focus on loading that box up and making sure mm-hmm. Derrick Henry doesn't beat them with 145 rushing yards on the ground. Yeah, and, and this Titans team is reeling too, right? And they've had injuries. Uh, Tyler Luan, the, the, the offensive lineman with a knee injury. So they're really banged up as well, but still you have to respect – uh, that running back and 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 that offense because they can put points up uh, again they've struggled and you saw what happened to them uh, this past week but as heading into the weekend these injuries uh, you, you just don't know some of these guys could be ready to go at game time some of them might not we won't know as we head in uh, to uh, the game on Sunday afternoon uh, or Sunday morning but if you look at some of these other injuries too the Andre James one we talked about on Tuesday's show Mo, and also on the mailbag show yesterday on Wednesday, we talked about Dylan Parham and what a great job he did at center. So Andre James appears, I mean, he didn't go on Wednesday coming into Thursday. The, 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 the likelihood of him getting healthy in time to play on Sunday on the road, to me, looks doubtful, uh, uh, which means Dylan Parham is going to get his second start and really show and maybe... He's going to Wally Pip, Andre James. For those of you who don't know who Wally Pip is, Google it. You'll find out. Uh, there's a really good chance here that we could see Dylan Parham a second time uh, and see him solidify maybe himself as a new starter there. Yeah, I believe, I, I believe it was Derek Carr's hair that asked the question that uh, <laughs> this, will Parham 
just a plant Andre James at the central position and can Andre James play guard if he does? And I answer that question saying, yes, I, I think Dylan Parham can be that guy to start right away simply because he is the Raiders guy, the, um, the current regime's guy, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's guy. They didn't pay. This regime did not pay Andre James. That was John Gruden in his regime. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see if Andre James is out for, let's say, I'm just throwing a number out there, three, four games, he may not get his job back depending on how Dylan Parham plays. Now, where will he end up after that? He'll probably be another backup offensive lineman, as I said to Derek Carr's hair on, t- on Tuesday, I believe it was. So uh, he has Andre James, for his sake, if he wants to stay a Raider, he, he needs to hurry back because the guy behind him is is getting meaningful snaps there at the center position. Yeah, uh, we also heard this week, uh, earlier in the week, Mo, from um, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. And one of the guys that you talked about uh, uh, on the Mailbag Show and back on Tuesday's show as well when we were reviewing the Cardinal loss was Chandler Jones. It was the first thing you mentioned when we talked about the game. Uh, some people were throwing heat mm-hmm. your direction uh, about Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. I agreed 100% with you because you're paying the guy $17 million. And a, hey, you did an okay job is not enough when you're paying that on the edge. Uh, Patrick Graham talked about it, and he said, quote, I thought Chan Chandler has some great rushes during the game in terms of keeping him in the pocket. The unselfishness, like you said, in terms of forcing it to other guys, we made some plays there in the pocket. Unfortunately, they made a few more plays than we made. Uh, but you have to change the plan based on the quarterback. That's a, it's a really good non-answer to the question about Chandler Jones because what I'm seeing uh, and watching the film today again uh, was that um, he just doesn't see – is he doing some okay things? Uh, yes, against the run and, and getting in some coverage. But he's done nothing to help on the pass rush. And so it's fine if you're doing a little bit to help out here and there. He's got two tackles on the year. So I don't know where people think – that Chandler Jones, and I'm not trying to pick on the guy. That's not what it's about. It's just you have to get the performance out of the dollars you're paying. And right now, if they could take him back and exchange him, they might. Yeah, there were people coming after him after the first week. And I and I said, you know, give Rashawn Slater credit because that's who he was going up against. Yeah. One-on-one, uh, the, the Chargers rookie. He had a Pro Bowl rookie year, now going to second year. Still a pretty good player. I said, you know, give Slater credit. Pretty good player. I'm, I'm sure he's uh, shut down some decent edge rushers and some good edge rushers. And then in the second game, I said, okay, I need to see a little more from them. And I just didn't. I just didn't see it. As you said, he'll make a play here and there. He'll get. A, he'll get a stop on the run. But when you pay a guy three years, fifty-one million, he's making seventeen million a year. You're expecting more than a a, a cool stop here and there. You need a little more than that. And I think the Raiders are going to be expecting more. They won't say it at the podium because this regime is not the type that's going to call out a guy publicly. Right. But I'm sure behind closed doors, in so many words, they're nudging him like, look, we need a little bit more from you. And you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Taylor Wan might be out. I don't know if Taylor Wan playing or out is better for Chandler Chandler Jones because Chandler Jones got five sacks off the guy last year in week one. (laughs) Then he kind of tapered off. So even if Taylor Wan plays, I'm okay with that matchup, Taylor Wan and and Chandler Jones. If he doesn't play, of course, it's probably a softer matchup. But either way, Chandler Jones needs to show up on Sunday. He does, and and I, I you know, we're going to get into the game a little bit later here in the show, but um, you, you, I think you got to have some breakout games here on the defense, just like you do on the offense, right? You have to have some guys step up, and and I think Chandler Jones has to. 
Uh, again, doesn't mean he's got to rack up three sacks. I, I just want to see him involved in pressuring the court. Ryan Tannehill is not Kyler Murray, okay? It's a different type of quarterback. You should be able to to pressure the quarterback and get in there, especially if there's some injuries. The other guy, and we'll talk, we can talk about him a little bit later, but I really want to see, and I think he will be very active in this game, and he'll have a great game, is Jonathan Abram. I think Jonathan Abram has played well. You called it out on Tuesday, actually, on Tuesday's show. And I think this is a guy who, in this game, if Patrick Graham is smart, uses him in that rush, gets him closer to the line, uh, and he could have great impact here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, especially if Denzel Perryman doesn't play or, or is a little slow, not not completely 100%, you're going to probably drop Abram into the box and use him to shoot gaps and, and generate or supplement the pass rush there. So he could be instrumental in this game. Because, again, with this Titans team, you're not really worried about guys getting behind you. Robert Woods on the outside, not really a burner. Traylon Burks is still, as a rookie, trying to find his way. Uh, they got Westbrook. Uh, out there who's you know uh, average to below average wide receiver not not a name to write home about so you're worried about the titans going downhill so again mm-hmm. you you want to have a loaded box at times and you and you trust your cornerbacks nate hobbs and rocky Sin, who's been playing well who i doubted early in the season so i was worried about rocky Sin playing very well but your corners for the raiders now playing well enough where you could trust them one-on-one and just say okay other guys in the front seven, we need to stop Derek Henry, and we need all hands on deck there. You can leave Hobbs on the outside. You can leave Rocky Austin on the outside, and they can handle their business. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right, we're going to take our first break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, we'll roll on, talk about this Titans team, talk about some other concerns for the Raiders. Uh, players stock up, stock down, a piece I wrote on Knot. One of the players on there isn't going to make fans very happy to talk about But there might be an issue, and we're going to talk about that as well when we come back here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. Mo Moten, Scott Gobranson with you. We are talking Raiders football. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Whether you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, if you are, yo, yo, 1140 The Bet, you're getting ready to throw down your cash and you're listening to us first, or you're listening to our Odyssey original podcast Thank you so much. If you are listening to us on the podcast, do us a favor. Subscribe. Don't forget when you subscribe, too, go into your phone. I know from the data that most of you are on an iPhone. If you're on the iPhone, go in there and set up automatic download so that every time the show comes, you just pop open your, your podcast app, and, and there we are. So just do that for us. And then if you're watching the show on YouTube and participating in the chat, thank you so much. Subscribe there, too, and hit the notifications button. Okay, Mo, we're going to get back into talking Raiders football and some of what we need to see coming up 
uh, against the against the Titans this week uh, because there's there's some Raiders who I think are at some crossroads uh, and we can start with with Derek Carr but we'll get to him in a second. I want to start with a guy that's really beloved in in Raider Nation and on this show. He used to be uh, a partner of ours. Used to come on once a week when we were on Raider Nation Radio and do a segment with us. And that, of course, is Hunter Renfro. We we wish him the best in recovering from the concussion, uh, of course, that he sustained at the end of the game against the Cardinals. Uh, but but Hunter Renfro, the one thing that people aren't talking about is Hunter Renfro's propensity to lose the ball, to fumble the ball. Now, luckily, in a lot of the cases with his fumbles, they've been recovered by the Raiders. It just happened to be good bounce. Also, he's recovered a few of them himself, right? Uh, but we saw against the Cardinals in overtime two fumbles. The second one, I'm willing to give him a little more of a break on because he got hammered. He obviously got a concussion, and sometimes that happens. Uh, but what is it with Hunter Renfro and the football, Mo? Is it a, a situation where he's trying to make plays with those quick feet of his and he ends up losing focus on the ball instead? Or is it something else that you're seeing in his game when you watch the film? Sometimes you have to know when to get down and live to play another down with the possession of the football. Now, last year, Hunter Renfro had five fumbles, which was which led all wide receivers. Think about that. He led all wide receivers with five fumbles. Now, I tweeted this on Sunday. Four of those five fumbles, the Raiders recover, so no one's mm -hmm. making a big deal of it. But how many times, if you've been watching Raider games over the past year or two, how many times have we seen Hunter Renfro Fumble the ball on a on a punt return or trying to fight for more yardage, but the Rays recover. So no one really talks about it. Like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, he fumbles. Oh, they, they recovered it. All good. All good. Right. <laughs> and then we forget about it and move on. But until he loses a fumble and it's a crucial play in the game, as it was on Sunday, then we're like, oh, he fumbled. He lost. It. And then you think about it. You're like, well, he has been fumbling. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's, you know, he's got fumbleitis, but he has been losing the, he has some, had some ball security issues, but again, it's been swept under the rug because the Rays have been able to recover or he's been able to recover the football and we've moved on, but let's not ignore the fact that yes, we love Hunter Renfro and what he does. And we admire him for trying to fight for more yardage because that's what you want out of a tougher football player, but having a smaller frame and fighting for more yardage, it allows other players to come in, and punch the ball out because, as you know, now players are now defenders are now taught now to punch for the ball. Out, if anything, if a guy's going to get a first down, you give up the first down. The next best thing to do is try to knock the ball out. And they've been successful in doing that. You saw that against the Cardinals on Sunday. And, and in this division, you cannot listen. I mean, in the NFL in general, we know this. You cannot give the ball away. OK, the Raiders have had issues with it in the past. And so Hunter Renfro, as good as his game can be and is, the fact that he had five fumbles last season, eight in his career, think about it from the perspective of he's he's had three plus seasons, three seasons plus two games, right? He's had eight fumbles. Is it eight? No, it is 11. 11, sorry, total in his career so far, okay? Um, and like you said, a lot of them were recovered by the Raiders. By comparison, in almost nine years, Devontae Adams has had three fumbles. In his entire career. So I know different receivers, different talent levels, but just to put it into perspective that a wide receiver, one of the things you can't have from a slot wide receiver is, 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 is a problem controlling the ball. It's just like a running back. You can't have a running back that fumbles significant time because the job is to protect the ball. Yes, you got to get in the yards. So, so he's going to have to work on it. And I think you're right. I think it's, it's stop trying to do too much. Sometimes get the five yards, the extra yard, 
uh, and, and, and putting the ball out there is not worth it. Just get the five, go down, and get ready for another play. So we'll see how that goes. So we'll see if he improves on that. Um, it's definitely uh, something I'm sure they'll focus on and work on, and we'll see how it goes. Nobody's really talked about it, and I'm glad that we are, just so that, uh, that we can set the stage there. Um, another guy we talked yeah, about, you mentioned really quick. Him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I just want to really quick say we're, we're not here to beat up on Hunter Renfro and say he shouldn't fight for more yardage, but you have to pick and choose your spots at times. There you go. And yep. when it's a critical situation and you're, and you're you know, it's on a fourth down, you need, you absolutely need the first down, by all means, try to get more yardage. But sometimes it's just better to just get down, get to the next play. So you don't, as you said, so you don't give up a possession, give the ball away to the other team and possibly put your defense in a precarious position. Yes, no question about it. Um, okay, Mo, so we look at the game coming up, and um, one of the guys, too, that I think will factor big in this is, is is someone that you talked about in the first segment that has really picked up his game, too. I think we've seen significant improvement from several defensive backs, and, and Rocky Asin is obviously one of them. Um, he had his best game so far against the Cardinals, and I know people are losing sight of that because – a lot of people are incorrectly, in my view, blaming the defense for how that game went down. It was a team loss. Offense couldn't stay on the field. Defense was on the field too much. Uh, but when you look at Yassin and what he's been able to do, what's been the difference from what you saw? You were really, you were really not high on him coming out of training camp with good reason. But describe what you've seen that he's improved on during that time. He's been better at playing the football. And that was one of my criticisms of him in the offseason is that that's why you don't see the interceptions and the pass breakups from him is because didn't play the ball a lot. And that goes to locating the football when it's in the air, turning, getting your head turned around and getting your hand in there to knock it out. And you saw it multiple times against the Cardinals. He's able to guard his wide receiver, get his head around, get his hand on the football. It was it was kind of routine for him. So it's good to see that. Apparently, maybe they've been working on that with him. Maybe he uh, Apparently, he's been working on that. And the other thing is penalties. He hasn't been uh, too handsy because that was one of the things with him coming out of uh, college was that little grabby. And that's what a lot of receivers and what, what coaches tend to do with receivers like that is they put them in gloves so they can't grab. I don't know what the process has been with him at practice, but apparently that's been that's been a thing with him. He hasn't been too grabby, hasn't been getting called for pulling on jerseys too much because as we all know, once the referees see a handful of jersey, they're quick to reach for that flag and throw it on the field. So <laughs> he's been a, he's been avoiding that. So he's cleaned up his technique and he's better at locating the football. And those are good things you want to see from Rocky Hassan if he's gonna develop into a, a steady, consistent starter who has a lot of fo- of good football in front of him. And I'm looking forward to seeing him on Sunday in Tennessee uh, to see if he continues to develop that way and continues that upward trend. If he does for another game and and is playing well, uh, that's a great sign for the Raiders in that defense. On the offensive side of the ball, we talked about it in relation to play calling when we reviewed the game on Tuesday's show. But Josh Jacobs, you look at Josh Jacobs, how he's run the ball when he's had the opportunity. That's the caveat. Um, he's looked he's looked great. He's looked very good, uh, very fresh, very clean. Uh, he's healthy, clearly, and that helps. That's been an issue for him over his short career. But when you look at Josh Jacobs, the Raiders are running or excuse me, passing the ball 77 percent of the time. OK, uh, do you expect them in this game against the Titans to utilize Josh Jacobs? I mean, we can say they should. But do you think they will? Uh, with what they're going to be facing on the road in Nissan Stadium. 
I still think you're going to see a pass-heavy Raiders team. Uh, Khalif Farley got fried on Monday night when uh, the Titans played the Bills. So I think the Raiders and Josh McDaniels are going to look to exploit that secondary and see if they can run up the scoreboard on the Titans. But uh, like you said, Josh Jacobs has been running the ball very well when he's had opportunities. I want to see a more balanced approach because you don't want to get too predictable on offense. Yes. But Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh Jacobs averaging 4.3 yards per carry on the ground. I said it on Tuesday show. I wanted to see more Josh Jacobs on the ground against the Cardinals when they had a lead. Now, of course, the game flow, the score, the scoreboard is going to kind of dictate what the Raiders do. So if they open up again with another big lead, I want to see more Josh Jacobs. Now, if they're playing from behind, which I don't think they will be because the Titans, again, don't have an explosive offense. I think you're going to see – you should see more balance and be able to, to attack the Titans' defense because they are missing Harold Landry, their top pass rusher. They have some some injuries along that, along that defensive line. So the Reds can afford to have a balanced attack against the Titans. The other thing I want to break up that we haven't mentioned yet, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, but the Titans have a familiar face to the Raider fans on that sideline and Todd Downing. I've been oh. railing on Todd Downing. For, for months, Titans fans now have, have come to realize that Todd Downing isn't the best thing since sliced bread as an offensive play caller. <laughs> and I, I think if the Raiders if the Raiders can't outscore the Titans, let's say it, it, if it's a Derrick Henry show, I, I, I get it because that's what they do. But if they if Todd Downing outschemes Patrick Graham, that's a problem because Todd Downing to me is one of the bottom tier play callers in the NFL. Yeah, and 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 it will be. I mean, it'll be like a. It'll be like uh, what was the, the the nuclear power plant in Japan? It's going to be a meltdown <laughs> of epic proportions yes. in in this nation, in Raider Nation, if they were to lose because of that. Uh, because yes, the Downing legacy with the Raider fans <laughs> is one you don't even want to. I mean, even mentioning it on this show, you're going to see the chat explode uh, because of that. So yeah. so it's a, it's a great point. Well, when you look at this game and you look at uh, some of these guys on this roster, who's on notice in this game? I mean, who really – and I'll start with the first one, but but I want to open the question up, which is who's kind of on notice? Who better play better in this game where there's going to be real serious questions? I mean, you got to start with Derek Carr. Derek Carr's got to be more consistent. He's got to be more accurate. He's got to, as you said on the show the other day, he's got to process better, okay? He's got to process, go through the offense – and, and the different uh, looks to be able to make sure he gets the ball out faster and, and spreads it around and, and gets that offense moving again. Um, so we know he's one, but anyone else stick out to you where you're saying, boy, going in this game, you better show us something? Two guys I've mentioned earlier in the show um, that are on the injury report were one for rest and one, I believe, for a shoulder. Uh, Chandler Jones and Blau Nichols. Those two guys combined signed for contracts that are paying them combined 40 million in guarantees. So 40 million in guarantees between those two players. And you're playing against the Tennessee Titans who like to go downhill with Derrick Henry. Those two guys have to show up. Now I know Tannehill has got some mobility to him, but he's not Kyler Murray. He's not going to run 85 yards around the field to get a first down or a touchdown. So I know Patrick Graham said, well, we needed Chandler to contain Kyler Murray. You don't want to rush him because he'll make you pay for it. Okay, so now you have a less mobile quarterback, still mobile in Tannehill, but again, not a Kyler Murray level, not on Lamar Jackson level. Now we want to see Chandler Jones get after the quarterback and make more plays between him and Blau Nichols, two starters 
that are playing more than half the snaps, playing more than 60% of the snaps, both those guys need to step up and pick based on what the Raiders paid those guys. Yes. Uh, and by the way, Chandler Jones, you, you mentioned it, $17 million this year. Uh, his PFF rating, 41.4 last week, was the worst on the Raiders' defense. Um, in two games, he's had two quarterback pressures, two tackles in 78 snaps. So figure it out. That's uh, uh, in, that's a million dollars a game, basically, he's making, right, if you figure out 17 weeks um, uh, that they play 17 games. So, so he's made $2 million, and he's given two quarterback pressures and two tackles. Clearly, again, and you have to link the money to it. Right, Mo. This is not a rookie. This is not a third, fourth round rookie who's making uh, a little bit of money and 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 just needs to develop. This is a guy you brought in to do that. And Bilal Nichols, same thing. We saw a little flash here and there, right, last week, mm-hmm. uh, and then suddenly mm-hmm. it's it's been it's been radio silence. So so I agree with you. Now now I know we 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 kind of hate this designation sometimes. You and I talk about it, but is this a must win? I mean, it's only week three. You mentioned you're the guy who's half full, glass half full, uh, on Tuesday's show saying, hey, everybody who thinks the season's over, Scott's stats about 0-2, don't make the playoffs, doesn't matter. They can still pull out of it. And that was, I think, good. It calmed down a lot of people. So thank you, uh, therapy session Mo. Um, but you look at that. Uh, is this a must win, though, for this team with what's going on, new coaching staff, new systems, uh, and some new players? Do they have to win? You know, usually I'm the guy that says I don't like to hear the phrase must win game early in the season because a lot of times it's not really a must win game. It's, we like to call it a got to have a game. Mm-hmm. And this is as close to a must win game as you can get this early in the season because if you if you drop to 0-3 in the AFC where the Dolphins are better, I'm sure the Ravens are going to bounce back even though their, their pass defense is piss poor. I'm sure they'll bounce back. Uh, Joe Burrows deleted his Instagram, his Twitter, yes. so I'm sure the Bengals are going to be locked in. And they're going to bounce back eventually. The Bills are a juggernaut. Uh, the Colts, I don't think, are going to continue to sleepwalk through the season. I think eventually they they get right. The Denver Broncos, what you know, what are they going to be? Is Russell Wilson going to finally wake up? And of course, the AFC is just a tough division. You don't want to go down 0-3 and then have to play two division rivals in week four and five before your bye week. So you don't want to go into the bye, you know, one and four, zero oh and five. A lot of River fans are now hoping that they go into the bye two and three because they are obviously worried about the Kansas City Chiefs who haven't lo- who haven't skipped a beat without Tyreek Hill. But you, you want to be at least two and three going into the bye. And yep. if you lose this game against the Tennessee Titans on the road, then you have to face the Denver Broncos. And as I said, they even though Russell Wilson is struggling and Nathaniel Hackett looks in over his head, their defense is still pretty good, and they've still been they they're still capable of playing close games. So if your offense is is a little off, if Derek Carr is a little off in his ball placement, Denver's defense can make you pay. And of course, then you got the Chiefs. So it's tough sledding. So this is a game mm-hmm. that, as you gotta and I like it. to say, it's a gotta have a game. Gotta have a game. All right, there you go from Mo Moten, and I agree with him. All right, we're gonna step aside. For a break, when we come back, we're going to talk more about Derek Carr, what we need to see from Derek Carr. We're also going to talk about the Tennessee Titans, who got beat up in Buffalo. But we'll talk about any challenges that they may present the Raiders. You're listening to Silver and Black today. He is Mo. I am Scott. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back talking Raider football. Welcome back. This is Silver and Black. Today, we are talking Raiders football. Thanks for being with us, whether you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas or 1140 
the Bet Las Vegas, or on the podcast, which we have a growing audience on the podcast. We are blown away. Thank you so much for your support. If you're just listening to it for the first time, make sure you subscribe as well, wherever you get your podcasts, which appears to be for most of you on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and do that. But if you're a Spotify listener, we say a shout out to you as well. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, and we are in the home stretch here. Okay, Mo, uh, this team, we talked about the absolute ass kicking that the Buffalo Bills put on the Tennessee Titans uh, on uh, Monday Night Football. And and it, the Bills just look phenomenal, by the way. They just, it, if you want to see what a team needs to do to be at the top of the AFC right now, again, it's only two weeks in, but right now, look at the Buffalo Bills. That's what you got to get past. But we saw the Titans get banged up. We saw the Titans not do well against the pass. This might be just what the doctor ordered for Derek Carr. Derek Carr coming off two subpar games, not awful games, but subpar games for who he is and what he needs to do for his team. Uh, we talked about accuracy. We talked about processing. We talked about being crisper uh, and getting the ball out faster. Uh, when you look at this Tennessee Titans defense, uh, what is Derek Carr going to be able to do that he couldn't do even against a marginal Cardinals defense and a much better Chargers defense? I think he'll be able to attack downfield at will. And what I mean by that is he'll be able to get whatever he wants downfield as long as he's accurate. I think that's my major knock against Derek Carr. We talked about the processing and being able to speed up through his reads and just make a quick decision. But also his ball placement has to be better. And that, that was a point of emphasis after the first game that he needed to put more zip on a couple of passes to Waller and Devontae Adams, but they turned into interceptions. You saw in the second game, it was, it was better, but still his ball placement, his accuracy a little off. So he has to settle in. He has to settle down again. I think that it just comes down to him being in a new offense. Again, that's not an excuse, but that's probably why you're seeing some inaccurate passes from him. But I think the Raiders can do a lot of what the Bills did because the Raiders have the talent to be an offensive juggernaut. As I just mentioned, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, if he plays, if he can uh, get out of concussion protocol, even if he doesn't play, I think between Waller and Adams, they have enough firepower to threaten that Titans defense. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Harold Landry, their top pass rusher, is out. Bud Dupree didn't play much uh, against the Bills. He's banged up with, I believe, a hip injury. That should be a sign that the Raiders should be able to feast on the Titans' defense. And I put out an article on Bleacher Report that came out on, on Thursday. And six out of seven of our NFL experts, including myself, picked the Raiders to win and cover. Now, they're favored mm -hmm. by two points when I put that column out. So there's still faith around the league, even with writers. I know Raiders fans aren't used to uh, the national media giving them some love. But even at 0-2, a lot of people line. are saying that, yes, a lot of people are saying that Raiders still have enough talent to dig themselves out of this 0-2 hole. And they can do that starting with the Titans' pass defense, which isn't very good. Yeah, and even at Owen, it shows you, and, and and there is some solace to be had there, right? Because if you're a Raiders fan, I know it's been a tough week. I think everybody's starting to come out of their their bitterness a little bit, um, which is good, as, at least the conversations that you and I are having online. It seems to be getting better. Uh, but I will tell you that the NFL.com rankings came out on, on Wednesday, uh, and they had the Raiders at 15. Now, that's not bad for an 0-2 team. You know, there's other 0-2 teams that were 31 and 30. Too. So it shows you that the potential and the fact that I think the rest of the league, including those nasty writers you guys hate because they don't give you love, um, 
They they believe the Raiders are going to be good. Um, they're off to a, a bad start, but they believe that they will turn it around. Now, if something happened terrible in Tennessee, then that might change. But overall, I think, too, that they look at the quarterback and they look at Derek Carr and they say, okay, he's going to do better. You, you He started off slow. He's had some trouble. But now he gets to get healthy against this this banged up and, and frankly, just porous Titans defense. Um, Derek Carr, I, I expect him to have a good day. If for some reason, to play devil's advocate, if we saw another performance like we've seen the first two weeks, then what do you what do you do? Because you're in a situation, I, as much as fans, oh, go to Jared Stidham, that's not going to happen. I don't think Josh McDaniels does that, um, even if he has a bad game. Now, if they have a bad game and lose, if he has a bad game and lose, I don't think he's still going to do that. I don't think fans should have that expectation that Derek Carr is going to be benched anytime soon. Would you? No, he's not going to be benched. He's however you feel about Derek Carr. Just understand he's going to be the starter for the for the remainder of the season unless he gets hurt. Um, right. Jared, uh, Jared Stidham is definitely the backup. You pay Derek Carr to see what you have in him because as we talked about in the last show that this is a trial period. They want to see yeah. as much as fans don't want to admit this, they want to see what they have in Derek Carr in that offense. Uh, and then they make a decision at the end of the year whether you just leave this contract alone and let it play out, or you you can pull the plug and move on, which we don't think is going to happen. But as far as the Titans are concerned, there is no reason Derek Carr shouldn't throw for at least 250 yards and have a couple of touchdown passes. Now, the Titans do give up the second most rushing yards on the ground. I remember being in New York, watching Saquon Barkley run all over the Titans defense, and that's why I want to see a little more balance with Josh Jacobs and even Zamir White involved. But as far as getting the yards that you need through the air, I think the Raiders can really run away with this game if Derek Carr is on point with his ball placement, if there aren't any crucial drops, and of course if the offensive line does its job, no reason the Raiders shouldn't come close to scoring 30 points. Our score projection on Bleach Report was the Raiders win 28-24. I think that's a fair score prediction for this matchup. There you go. 28-24. You heard it from Mo. Mo, let me ask you this question. This is some hypotheticals. Um the, the Titans, like the Ra- the Titans are in a much more, I think, desperate situation. They're going to be playing at home, trying to avoid 0-3. The Raiders are going to avoid try to avoid 0-3. The Raiders have just more talent, I think, on the roster all the way around, especially on the offensive side. Um, uh, when you look at the situation, does that does that make the Titans a little more dangerous? Because could Vrabel um, uh, rush? Could 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 they rush more aggressively? Test that offensive line and do some risky things because let's face it, at this point they got to try to win that game. And that's when the Raiders, I feel, should should be able to counter that. Now you're right; they they can test that offensive line even with the guys they got, especially Danico Archery, who Raiders fans are familiar with. If he's healthy, he can move up and down the line. He could pressure the quarterback by himself, especially on the interior. He'll probably test Parham on the inside, being a rookie. But again, they have Josh Jacobs, who's running 4.3 yards per carry. So they, and they're given, again, Titans are giving up the second most rushing yards across the league. So even if Derek Carr is in a little bit of trouble and the offensive line isn't blocking very well, hand the ball off, give it to Josh Jacobs. He can run for 100 plus yards against this defense. But I want to bring up another point about the comparison between these two teams. And I'm not saying that this game means more to the Raiders and the Titans because they're in the same conference. They're battling for playoff position in the same, uh, not the same division, but, but a top heavy conference versus the NFC, which is a little more watered down. But the Titans, remember the Titans are in a division with the Houston Texans, the 
Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. There are no juggernauts in that division. The Titans can fall <laughs> behind Oak Green. I can still see them make the playoffs and even win the division at 0-3 with the Texans and, and the Colts and the Jaguars in their division. With the Raiders, it's a little different. They, I think they have a little more urgency because of the competition. The AFC West is a lot tougher than the AFC South right now. So this is where it goes back to our point where this is a guy to have a game for the Raiders and they have to play like it. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and and I agree with you. You're right that th- your division dictates so much uh, as well as does your conference, uh, and AFC is tough. But the 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 Titans have a much easier road to your point with the other teams in the division. There, uh, well, when you look at this game too, you talked about the betting aspect of it. When you look at it from the perspective of uh, jockeying for that that AFC West. Um, you look at what the Chiefs have done so far. The Chiefs look, you know, I think I think Raider fans thought the Chiefs would would take a big step back without Tyreek Hill. Uh, that has not happened. Uh, the only team that we're kind of questioning right now is the Broncos, and you brought up their defense and Russell Wilson. Still, uh, people are relishing in the fact that they're struggling, but I think they'll turn that around pretty quickly. And then you have the Chargers, who are at one in one. Looking at these teams right now, it's still the Chiefs to beat, is it not? Yeah, still the Chiefs, and I was going to tweet this, and I know some people are going to give me heat for this, but the, the the separation in the AFC West right now is basically the Chiefs and the Chargers at the top and the Broncos and the Raiders almost at the bottom, but there's a big gap between the two teams at the top and the Chargers and the Chiefs and then the Raiders and the Broncos, simply because the Broncos, it, it seems like we know both teams could be a lot better because of all the talent they have, but they just haven't put it together on the field for whatever reason. The Raiders squandering their big lead against the Cardinals. The Broncos barely beating the Houston Texans at home. They trailed 9-6 to six going into the fourth quarter of that game. Got penalized 13 times for 100 yards, 3 for 12 on third down. So the Broncos are very inefficient, shooting themselves in the foot with unforced errors. And the Raiders had a lot of penalties, and they shot themselves in the foot. And they are not, they're not necessarily putting it all together in the field. So to me, the Broncos and the Raiders are in the same boat. Now, as I said, national media outlets and even myself are expecting both teams to be a lot better as the season goes on. But if the Raiders, let's say the Raiders lose and they're 0-3 and the Broncos somehow beat the 49ers. Now, it doesn't seem that crazy because Oddsmakers has that as kind of a toss-up game. But 49ers mm-hmm. are only favored by 1.5 points. So what they're telling you is the Broncos are a pretty decent team and they could possibly steal that game. You know, a lot of people are just picking the 49ers to win. Don't be surprised if the Broncos win. And if they do, and they're 2-1, and one, and the Chargers beat the Jaguars, and the Chiefs beat the Colts, who haven't been playing well, you're looking at three teams at 2-1 and one or 3-0, and oh, and the Raiders at 0-3. Oh this is another reason why I feel like the Raiders got to have this game because you don't want to fall two, three games behind in that, in that division. It's just too tough a division to dig yourself out of a hole and then expect to make the playoffs later in the year. Agreed. And it's it's a tough road. And and I think they're going to do it, though. I mean, you mentioned you and your Bleacher Report staff had the game at 28-24 um, Raiders. And I'm going to go on a limb here. In the, in the couple days since we did our Tuesday show, um, you know, even with Denzel Perryman's status still up in the air, I'm going to go on a limb. I think they put it together this week. I really do. I'm going to say 31-13. I don't think – I think the defense is going to get rest – I think the offense is going to be able to stay on the field. And, and you're right. that This is a got-to-have-it game, and I think Josh McDaniels knows that. I think the players know that, and I think they need to go out and make a statement before they get back home to face an AFC West foe, which is another got-to-have-it game if you're going to stay in the AFC West race. So, so I like them to do that, and uh, we'll see how it all goes. 
Uh, but Mo, um, it, it'll be another interesting one. Yeah, go ahead. There's another point that I that I would make, and Murph could probably attest to this more because he's out there in Nashville, close to it. Is Derrick Henry doesn't look the same after his uh, foot surgery from last year? He's averaging just 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, not the same locomotive that I that I've come accustomed to seeing before the injury. So the Raiders should be able to, even without Denzel Perryman, as you just said, I think the Raiders have the bodies to stop him, especially if you're gonna drop Abram into the box and have him shoot gaps. They should be able to slow down a running back averaging 3.1 yards per carry. I think oh across the board, the Raiders offense should be a lot more efficient than the Titans offense. Absolutely. And I think it takes with that kind of injury, it takes a player you know, a while to get back into shape. It just does. It just happens you, you, it, it, with surgery, especially like that. So we'll see uh, what a factor he is in the game in Nashville. All right, Mo, that's a wrap on our Thursday show. We appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back with you live, myself and Murph on Sunday after the game. So join us for our post game show where we'll talk and get instant reaction and voice of the fan with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. And then Mo and I will be back on Tuesday to recap in depth the game as Mo will be off on Sunday covering the rest of the league. Mo, have a great weekend, man, covering the action on the NFL Sunday. And we'll see what happens with this Raiders team. It's going to be an interesting week. Hopefully fans will welcome me back with open arms. I picked the Raiders <laughs> to win this week. Hopefully I'm right. And they're not throwing things at me and said, Mo, you said we're going to win and we're 0-3. So uh, hopefully it's a good weekend and it's a good welcome back from me on Tuesday. Absolutely. All right. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. We are an Odyssey original. Make sure you subscribe on the podcast feed when you get a chance. And we'll talk to you on Sunday night. Take care, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you then.